0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 331. I'm back from over a week on board Oasis of the Seas, where I got to experience so many of the new changes and enhancements that Royal Caribbean just made to the ship. This week, I'm sharing my full review of the upgraded Oasis of the Seas. Here we go. This week, we're looking at Oasis of the Seas, having completed two different sailings that were right almost back to back. I say almost because was a day in between. I did a two-night employee shakedown cruise in which Royal Caribbean invited me to come on board to see what was new and different before the general public. Uh, shakedown Cruise, by the way, is a cruise in which it's... There are guests on board, but they're all Royal Caribbean employees, so it's kind of a test cruise where the ship itself gets to be run through the paces and, you know, essentially as close to the real thing as possible, but without any issues affecting, you know, paying guests, as it were, and then we skipped the day and then got on board for a seven-night Eastern Caribbean sailing with my family, so essentially nine nights on board Oasis of the Seas. And Oasis is not the first ship to be amplified, although it is the first Oasis-class ship to be amplified, following in the footsteps of Independence, Mariner, and Navigator of the Seas. You know, we've come to expect uh, a lot of changes to the Royal Amplified Program. And by the way, before anyone says them an email, yes, Voyager of the Seas also got amplified. Uh, That's on Australia and obviously not on my radar necessarily, but absolutely true. That was part of it. Um, but with each amplification, there's always a little different to it, right? There's not one amplification has been a carbon copy for another. There's always a little variations, a little couple things here that are different. And when it comes to Oasis of the Season, my goodness, there was a lot that fit that category. You know, Royal Caribbean put in some things that we've seen on other ships, as well as added some things that we haven't seen before, and also omitted other changes we had seen. So there's a lot that goes on with this ship. And this is as I mentioned in the preview episode that we that came out a couple weeks ago, you know, this is my first time back on Oasis of the Seas in just about nine years, and we went on Oasis of the Seas in 2010, it was my uh, first time on an Oasis ship, second overall Royal Caribbean cruise, and, you know, it's funny because we've cruised on her sister ships subsequently, and, and quite often, quite frankly, so a lot of times, I think we were always wondering, you know, I know me and my wife were thinking, is this like an Oasis thing, or was it always like this? Like, you know, he's always trying to remember, like, is this the case on Harmony, or was that always on Oasis? Little variations, little tweaks that obviously only cruise nerds would really pay attention to, but I certainly noticed. And overall, let's start with the top, and I'm gonna whittle my way down here. You know, overall, I think they did a great job with the amplification. While I think still perhaps Navigator's amplification might be my favorite, they did a great job with what they've added to the ship, what they've changed here, and overall, I think Oasis is in a better spot today than it was a couple months ago or even a couple of years ago with all the changes that are there. Now, I want to talk about a lot of different things. I'm going to jump all around here talking about as many of the changes as I liked and some things also that didn't jive quite with me. Let's start with entertainment because I think entertainment is a really big part of it. I have a brand new Aqua Theater favorite show. You know, the Aqua Theater shows across all of Royal Caribbean ships are always pretty cool. I enjoy them, don't get me wrong. But the one, the, the new Aqua 80s, Aqua Theater show on Oasis of the Seas truly resonated with me. And I think it's because I knew all the words to all the songs. I mean, it's 80s music. And unlike other shows where I feel like, in a lot of cases, the music for the show, for the Aqua Theater show, is sometimes made to fit the performances being done. You know, like the, there would be deep drum beats to match the dancing and choreography on stage here the choreography matched the music so having known all the songs and having a little bit of nostalgia because i did grow up at least partly in the 1980s it kind of you know again it hit a it hit a high note for me and i loved aqua 80s I think they did a fabulous job with that show in fact usually when i see an aqua theater show i'm like that was cool i enjoyed it but i don't need to see it again on the sailing i was really trying to figure out a way to see it again ultimately I, I think I went to sleep instead, but uh, it was, there's some early nights for me on this sailing. But I'll tell you that uh, I would love to go see Aqua 80s again. I think it's a must-see show. It is my favorite one. And it seems like every time there is a new Aqua Theater show, Royal Caribbean kind of ups their game just a little bit. They learn their lessons. They refine what they've done. And Aqua 80s is a great example of that. On the flip side, the other new show on Oasis of the Seas is One Sky, and One Sky is is a musical review pretty typical of cruise ships where there's different scenes and you know there's different music to it. There's a common theme throughout, but there's not a there's not a story being told here. And the the production is really great. Um, I think the sets are really phenomenal. The projections they use, the way they use um, not only the the physical sets, but also the visual elements to it, Truly great. The performers, by the way, really put 110% out there. I mean, I was really impressed by how much energy they had with it, but ultimately, I mean, it's not my cup of tea, perhaps, you know, I prefer a show that has a more coherent story, like, you know, nothing wrong with musicals, but I like having like a story being told and the musicals help advance that story. Whereas here, this is a musical review. You know, they're, they're singing along to one song with the set, set changes, new song, but there's no connection between them. So, not my favorite from that standpoint, but you know, um, it's a continuation of the musical review. So nothing nothing new here. Like You won't see anything you haven't seen on another cruise ship there, uh, but obviously an option there. And, of course, you have Cats, the Broadway musical. Um, my wife is the big Broadway fan. We actually didn't see Cats, and the, the reason is because my wife doesn't love Cats as a show. Um, Cats and, and Andrew Lloyd Webber shows in general are very polarizing shows in the Broadway community, from what I understand. And we didn't see the show. She's not a fan of it. And, uh, you know, I kind of went with the flow on that one. I wasn't too worried about checking that out. But there is some some compelling entertainment on board the ship. There's no question about that. Uh, probably one of the biggest hits, I think, on the ship is Spotlight Karaoke. Royal Caribbean re-did the on-air club to be a dedicated karaoke lounge. And... And karaoke has always been popular in Royal Caribbean, but my goodness, it's clear that they built this venue with this popularity in mind. I mean, every night it was packed, and even during the daytime, whenever they had events going on, a lot of folks were there. And I think they changed this venue to be more specific to karaoke, because again, they also added the Playmaker Sports Bar and Arcade on the boardwalk, because On Air Club used to double not only as a karaoke venue, but also as a sports watching venue. And I kind of feel like, they decided to say, look, we're going to add Playmakers, which has like a thousand and one TVs over there. You can watch the games there. And instead, we'll we'll focus more on what Spotlight wants to to shine with. And that, of course, is karaoke there. And again, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you look at the crowds there. A lot of people love there. I also like that they added some of the musical trivia events would be occurring in karaoke as opposed to in the Schooner Bar, which I think is a better venue for it anyway. So, I think that's a a fabulous uh, addition right there. And if you like karaoke, if you're the kind of person, whether you go up there on stage or you just like watching others, it's going to be a real favorite spot of yours, no question about it. Um, One of the things that I really loved more than I ever expected to on Oasis of the Seas was Portside Barbecue. This is a new restaurant, first of its kind on Royal Caribbean. And look, before this cruise, I wasn't the world's biggest barbecue fan. I grew up in the North. Barbecue is not a big thing up there. I joke that for us, and when you grow up in the North, barbecue means someone's making hot dogs and burgers on a grill. It's not a way of life like it is in some regions of the United States, like in the South and the Midwest. You know, there's, it really is a way of life down there. And um, so for me, I'm coming into it and saying, okay, well, hey, I like Tasty meat as much as the next guy. Let's try it out. And it, is, it became quickly our family's favorite place to go no doubt about it we really enjoyed um what they had to offer there uh the i had the brief beef brisket the smoked turkey sandwich my goodness that smoked turkey sandwich was amazing i would go for one right now it was simple it's just a pile of meat on a brioche bun with uh coleslaw and uh some pickles it's really good that's for lunch for dinner they expand the menu get more a lot more meat with it as well and, I, you know what, I, I think this really, first of all, it resonated with everyone in our family. I think all, my kids enjoyed it, my wife enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. I think it's an excellent value. For, for lunch especially, lunch is 8 bucks. You get some sort of a, a meat here we're talking about, two sides, and a dessert. It's a really good value from that standpoint. And, you know, it, it just seemed like a, uh, a fun place to hang out as well. I wish I could have stayed there. They actually have live music as well. Didn't get a chance to see that there, but a neat option nonetheless. In fact, I might go as far to say that Portside Barbecue has become one of my favorite uh, specialty restaurants on any Royal Caribbean ship. Now, I also want to talk about Adventure Ocean. Adventure Ocean got completely redone on Oasis of the Seas. And as many of you guys know, I have two kids. They've been in Adventure Ocean since they were both six months old. So they are products of the system. And Adventure Ocean is completely different on Oasis of the Seas. So you have the nursery right? You've got the AO juniors, which is ages three to five, which is formerly Aquanauts. That's largely the same. And then you have, uh, what used to be the, uh, Explorers and Voyagers are now combined. So six to 12 is in one group together. Now let's, uh, I probably already gone too far ahead of myself here. Cause there's a lot of things that happened before. First and foremost, registration and check in, check out is all digital. Now there are no more forms to fill out. You simply swipe, your CPAS card when you're doing the registration and all the information is there. You just fill out a couple of checkboxes, acknowledgements, you're good to go. And then for check-in, check-out, same similar process. It's really easy. I love this change. Really, really great, right? Uh, on top of that, there's also uh, the, the venues themselves have been completely redone. There's a lot of, not only have they been like, I mean, they, they basically destroyed everything that was there, rebuilt it from scratch. There's a lot of interactive areas. They put in some great play uh, screens for in, in Adventure Ocean Juniors. Um, there's a story screen where essentially a couple of the kids can participate and the rest watch, and they can obviously alternate this every day. And there's a different story that's being told on the screen. And the kids use these wands that essentially remind me of the kind of uh, controllers you use with the Nintendo Wii. And the kids can, you know, basically it's almost like create your own adventure where you kind of, you know, vote for, you know, which option A or B to participate in. Cute little idea. And then, of course, in Adventure Ocean, uh, the, the hangout, which is for the six to twelve-year-olds. You've got uh, interactive screens that they, the kids can play with. There's video games they've created, um, special for Royal Caribbean. So it's it's really neat. And my concern going into it was, well, you know, one of the things I liked about Adventure Ocean was the fact that Adventure Ocean was there was programming provided, right? I mean, the kids weren't learning, you know, second languages or, or writing dissertations by any means, but they were they were they were playing together and they they would go from activity to activity to activity. Instead, with Adventure Ocean, this new one, it's it's a little more free form in the sense that there is still programming provided, right? You'll have different areas. There's an arts and crafts area. There's the video games area. There is uh, there's an arena area where you can play, you know, um, you know, Gaga Ball and the other uh, uh, different types of um, events that I think people really tend to do on real, in Adventure Ocean. You know, basically, games, you know, dodgeball and soccer and what have you. Um, And it allows the kids to really do what they want. One of the complaints my kids always used to have, especially my older one, was that, you know, they would look at the schedule and say, oh, they're playing. They're doing this activity or that activity. I don't want to do that activity. And in the past, we've always told them, look, if you don't want to do it, let the counselor know. And you can kind of sit on the side and read a book or something like that. Now it's a little more, it makes it a whole lot easier for the kids to either opt in or opt out of it. Now, obviously, look, some kids are just going to sit there and play video games the whole time. I mean, these are what kids do. And again, you have to remind yourself, I think as a parent, I do this as well, is that they're not learning second languages. They're not going in there. And and even even under the old Adventure Ocean, you know, it's not like this was, you know, study hall or something like that. They were still playing games. And there will always be some kids who were playing games or maybe doing arts and crafts. This makes it a little bit easier. I think a little less stressful on the kids that they don't feel compelled to have to do X, Y, or Z, and if they have friends there, they can go do something else. I know my daughter, who was in, I have two kids, and one was in Adventurers and Junior, the other in the Hangout. The one in the Hangout I know was going, you know, one day might focus on, well, she's going to go do, you know, one activity, and the other one she would go to the other one, but she usually bounced around a little bit, and and I feel like that's what the kids kind of do. It's almost like a carnival atmosphere in the sense that, you know, you never go to a carnival or a fair. You know, you kind of meander around. You start off in one place, go to the next place, go to the next place. I think that's what they kind of do. And the proof is in the pudding also because they really enjoyed going there. You know, they really wanted to go back and back and back. I think that's a good sign. And it's it's not the... Um, it's not the, uh, free range, um, child care. Well, I was concerned that it was just basically gonna be a giant room with counselors on the edges of it, making sure they're not killing each other, but kind of the kids doing whatever There's still programming being offered. And I think it's a really neat idea. Uh, and, and I love the direction they're going. And I got a chance to see some of the stuff, especially also in the teens club. I don't have any kids in there, but I love the, some of the changes they've done there as well. And, and I think that it's a really cool idea of, of what happens uh, so I'm digging that change. I, I think that the, it was a hit and I think the kids, you know, by the fact that they wanted to go back again, um, is, is, is also a really, really great sign there. So there's the, the big change in Adventure Ocean. Of course, you know, with Oasis of the Seas, they've also added things like water slides went on those really nice. Uh, again, not, bring it back to the kids. The Splashaway Bay area on Oasis is, a, was a surprisingly large change. They added Splashaway Bay. That's not a surprise. What is a surprise is it is not a carbon copy of Splash Away Bay that we see on uh, Mariner or uh, Navigator of the Seas. This is a giant one. They actually have a really sizable water slide. It's a water tube slide. And if I'm not mistaken, it's the largest Splash Away Bay water slide to date. My kids love going down that thing. Really, really nice. And of course, the main water slide's really cool. I actually like the this the champagne slide. I didn't get stuck on that one as I did on, on Harmony of the Seas. And it was very, very fast. Um, I really, in fact, I went down it and the champagne bowl slide is where you go down a water slide and you enter this giant bowl where you kind of swoop, you, know, you slide around. And if you're good, you'll probably get two or three rotations in before you get sucked down to the bottom and, and out the slide. And when I did it, I went around it in like one rotation. I was like, yeah, I did it. And then I got too close to the center and I got sucked in backwards. So I came down completely discombobulated from what I was expecting. It was a lot of fun, though. Really, really nice time there. Um, also, the new escape room. If you guys haven't done an escape room yet, you must do an escape room. They're all different on Royal Caribbean ships, but the escape room on Oasis of the Seas is a new uh, idea, new concept based upon the fictional Apollo 18 uh, moon mission. I love the, the attention to detail in this space. They meant to recreate it looking like uh, mission control in, in NASA, and they actually had a uh, former Apollo 18, mission era uh, controller to help make sure everything was accurate. It's incredible. And I would tell you, if you're gonna do one escape room, you must do this one that is on Oasis of the Seas. Uh, it does cost money, but I think it's well worth it. And it's a lot of fun, great, great group activities. While well. if you're traveling with family members or friends, I think you absolutely wanna check it out. Now, in terms of the room, by the way, and of course this is a cruise review, We ha- I stayed in two different rooms. Uh, we were The first room was a central park balcony. And the other one was an ocean balcony. Um, The first one, the Central Park balcony, the rooms were not updated. There was no changes that I could tell from the rooms. Same decor, same everything. Whereas the ocean-facing balcony definitely looked different and new. Uh, They refreshed. The couch was different. The upholsteries were were refurbished. Um, Someone mentioned, and this may be accurate. I'm not a 1,000% sure on this, that decks 9 and 10... The staterooms there have been updated, the, the ocean-facing balconies, because they are being prepped to become later on the new spa balcony category that Royal Caribbean recently announced. I, that may or may not be true. But anyway, some rooms were updated, but don't expect much in terms of that general uh, thing. For dining, we mostly ate at the main dining room. Um, I mentioned Portside Barbecue. We primarily ate there for lunch. But for dinner, we went to the main dining room, had a great waitstaff. Um, we were actually assigned for 8 o'clock p.m. dinner and ended up changing it to uh, early dinner so we can take advantage of the my family time where basically adventure ocean comes and picks you up picks up the kids rather um from dinner you know this was a double edged sword moving from late to early seating the nice thing about early seating is when you're done with dinner you have the whole evening up there i mean you're done with dinner probably around a little before seven o'clock you still have an hour of diamond time in terms of diamond drinks but you know you have the whole evening there all the entertainment is still coming up it's really really nice but the flip side is you're really getting ready for dinner. My wife was getting ready for dinner at like three o'clock in the afternoon, which really limits the amount of time that you have to you know, spend during the day. On a sea day, not a big deal. But if you're in a port, it really messes things up. Like in San Juan, when we were there from 1 p.m. to 11 p.m., we had to skip dinner in the main dining room because there's no way you can make that work. Whereas if you have an eight o'clock dinner, it's a lot easier to make that work. But the problem with eight o'clock dinner is when you're done with dinner, it's basically time to go to bed. Unless once you're really gonna, you know, you're done with dinner at 10 o'clock. So you're either staying up late and going to see a show or going out to the bar, or you're in a lot of cases, going to bed, um, which is, again, there's pros and cons to it all. I did like the fact that we had more of the evening available to us and didn't like getting ready for it so much earlier on. But alas, um, I think it was a nice fit. I think my wife would tell you that if we were to go forward and do this again, I think she would probably vote for late seating. I think we both enjoyed not having to go upstairs with our kids to drop them off. It was really nice to be able to simply go to the front of the dining room, drop off the kids, and then return and enjoy the rest of our meal just by ourselves. But I also think my wife enjoys when just me and her eating, it's it's kind of a break for us, you know, to be able to enjoy a full meal together and evening entertainment, as opposed to here where it was part of our dinner was simple with the kids the kids are fine Don't I mean, you know they're kids everyone's kids they, you know some nights they're better than others some nights they chat more than others you know how it is right every parent knows what, exactly what I'm talking about um, so you know we had a nice time but uh, I gotta tell you the I, I think overall I'm not sure we're necessarily completely sold on it um, of course when the next time we're gonna be consistently in the main dining room I'm not sure but I may have to revisit that and you'll you'll see this again when we talk about next cruising uh, and when I have a share cruise review of which dining option I choose. But, you know, I I think ultimately if it was in a perfect world, I would say I would love to do the main dining room at seven o'clock and I know what you're all saying. Of course, well, there is that option, Matt. You could do my time dining, right? I don't want to do my time dining. I like having the same wait staff. I like having the same table mates. I like the same table assignment. Um, So that's why I like traditional, but it'd be great if there was a third option, traditional where, or they move back first seating. Until you know six, six or six thirty, I think that make a big difference. But alas, that's a, another discussion for another day uh, to, to talk about. Uh, in terms of the ports we visited, we visited three ports on this cruise: Lobity, Saint Thomas, San Juan, Puerto Rico. In Lobity, we tried very hard to get a cabana or a bungalow or anything on the island, but it just wasn't available. Um, I, I got on board; I was the number one on the wait list for the cabana, but they were all booked up. I'm not terribly surprised by this. I mean, its it was Thanksgiving week. A lot of families, a lot of celebrations. I can totally understand that. And so um, I was I was disappointed, obviously, but that's on me. I mean, one of the lessons here to be learned is if you want a cabana and you're going to Labadee or Coco Key, do yourself a favor, book it as soon as you know you can. Don't be like me. I mean, in years past, you could wait until maybe a couple months before the cruise to book it but I think nowadays when we're talking about these things you gotta book it early you got to book it as soon as you can even if we're talking six months or more before your sale date uh, you know you can always cancel it that's a nice thing about that you know so keep that in mind but yeah definitely book that ahead of time I think that's the way to go Um, So anyways, in Labadee, uh, the kids and my wife stayed on the ship to enjoy time at the pool. I got off the ship to walk around. I wanted to explore a little bit. It was much warmer than I thought it was going to be when I got off. I actually ended up, when I walked onto Labadee, since I wasn't going to the beach, I decided to do something different, something I've never done before, and there are actually walking trails, nature trails, that have been there probably for many, many years. Uh, When you walk off the ship, there's a couple if you make a quick left turn, as soon as you get into the area, I think the sign says it's the way to the spa, but it doesn't matter, you can go there anyway. And there's a couple of walking trails that are all on the uh, left side of Labadee, and they provide some really nice views. Um, If it's not too, too hot, so go there in the morning, you can find some really great picture spots as well. If you want to do Instagram selfies, that's probably one of the best spots you can do that for. Um, I enjoyed doing that. And then I walked around Adrenaline Beach and walked all the way back to uh, essentially right under the zip line. And then by that point, it was really warm, and uh, I had decided to head back to the ship. But Labadee was great. Um, I think we're going back to Labadee some point next year on one of the other sailings I'm booked on. So hopefully I'm going to take this lesson and book a cabana for that one so we can enjoy that. Um, you know, when I say – and I know there's some people saying, Matt, why can't you just go to the beach and enjoy it without a cabana? You're absolutely right. The reason is because we're spoiled. <laughs> because we really like it that way. For our, for the for you know I don't want to necessarily blame the kids. I enjoy it too. It's nice having a little bit of a private area for shade for relaxation. Um, it's just it's more our style, and I'm willing to pay for it. Um, so again, to each their own, right? In San Juan, Puerto Rico. Again, I mentioned earlier we were there from one to ten o'clock. Now I didn't realize the times when I booked this, but I booked a day pass to a Marriott resort through resortforaday.com. And this is, now according to the website, it says you can go to the Marriott resort from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Well, we didn't dock till one, weren't clear to 1.30, and then we had to get there. So, you know, we're thinking, all right, best case scenario, we're there at two o'clock, what are we gonna do? We can go there for three hours and come back? Seems like a colossal waste of money. So, as, the, as we pulled into uh, San Juan, San Juan being part of the United States, I turned my phone back on the cellular connection called the resort and explained the situation they're like oh yeah you can go there until uh seven o'clock seven p.m and by the way uh, just for uh anyone's notice um puerto is one hour ahead of eastern time so that's really six o'clock ship time right i was like all right well it's a little more than i thought i was gonna have all right that's fine we'll go for it whatever you know in the name of research we'll go check it out and then so we we took a taxi over there. It's about five minute taxi ride. Really easy. It's basically as soon as your taxi leaves Old San Juan, there's a bridge that brings you to quote unquote New San Juan. It's right there in Condado Beach. Um, we checked in. They were like, Oh yeah, you can go there. The pool is open till 11 p.m. Feel free to stay there till then. <laughs> okay. So um, so for the for the resort the Marriott, it was sixty dollars per adult. I think it was uh, maybe forty five for kids. It does include a twenty dollar per adult. Uh, food and beverage credit there. It's not all-inclusive. It's just a day pass there, but there's a beautiful beach, giant pool area, water slide. You get used to all, of all that. Um, it was a really nice resort. I'll post a review of it at RoyalKoreanBlog.com here in the next couple days or weeks. I'm not sure when you're listening to this episode. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend it for any family that is that wants to do a combination beach and pool and also is looking to... Have a little bit of service. Um, there was a lot of shade there, which I absolutely like. the The building, this where the pool is located, it casts sh- the building cast a shadow on there. So there's ample seating both in the shade and in the sun. And of course, the beach area was massive. In fact, I wish we spent more time at the beach there in San Juan because the water was really warm and the waves were um, not not giant, but there were waves there. And it was kind of nice to be able to do that. Um, we had a really nice time, and then actually, uh, as Evening progressed about, you know, five o'clock or so. It became dark there. Uh, we decided to take a taxi. We got changed at the resort and then took a taxi to downtown uh, Old San Juan and then walked around and enjoyed a dinner there. It was t- one other recommendation about Old San Juan if you are there for dinner, make a reservation. Uh, call the restaurant ahead of time because when cruise ships are there, my goodness, there were so many restaurants that were just completely booked up. They weren't even taking a waiting list, you know? So do yourself a favor and, and check that out. We actually ended up at the same restaurant in San Juan that we went to last time when we were there in July on Anthem of the Seas. It's a fabulous little restaurant, but what I love about it is there's ample air conditioning. There's availability and they have they have a good selection of Puerto Rican and I would say more generic American food uh, that you can enjoy there. Prices are a little it's a little high, but it's somewhere to sit in air conditioning in San Juan. That there's that's something to be said right there. We enjoy that. St. Thomas was a utter fail. Uh, our plan was to go to St. John from there, take the ferry, we were gonna take a taxi from uh, from where our ship docks, take a taxi over to Red Hook, pick up the ferry, which runs hourly, go to St. John, and then come back, right? Um, there is a ferry from the uh, cruise area, the downtown area of Chardonnay, but it, we looked at the schedule, there's literally one Ferry ride in the morning. We missed that one. Okay, and we did get off the ship a little bit later. I've been we walked off probably 10 a.m. our time, which is 11 a.m. local time. So keep that in mind. Walk off the ship, and this is not our first time in St. Thomas, right? But we uh, we we walked off the ship, and when you you exit the port area, there's a taxi area there where you. Can, this is like almost every other port. You know, there's a bunch of taxis there to take you. The difference is in St. Thomas, there are no taxis. Taxi's in the sense of like a sedan or a van. These are pickup trucks that have been converted into essentially buses. I think they call them like safari trucks or safari buses. And what that means is that you really can't get private service. You can't say, okay, I want to pay for me and my family alone to go to destination X. Instead, you tell them, I like to go to Megan's Bay. I want to go to Sapphire Beach. I want to go to Koki Beach. I want to go to Red Hook. And they put you in one of these buses, which by the way, you're still praying for Taxi prices, you're paying $11 a person That's and going on a bus, which is a whole nother issue. But we got there and we we're like, we want to go to Red Hook. Well, there wasn't really anyone else who wanted to go to Red Hook. And the taxi dispatchers knew this, but they didn't tell us that. So basically what they kept doing was passing us off to a different person. They'd be like, oh, go talk to that guy over there. So go talk to that guy. I want to go to Red Hook. Oh, go talk to that guy over there. And this went on for 35 minutes of us just being passed around. And literally at some point, just saying, they they told us, wait here, like stand here. We stood there. And then of course they just ignore you because the, the business is based around filling up one of these safari buses and getting you going. And after a while, we were just like, I look at my wife and say, like, what is going on? We can't get to where we want to go. And there's no other option. So I'm like, okay, so. Once again, we started this over and I started talking to them like I said, listen, we've been trying to get to Red Hook. No one wants to take us so no one wants to take us. In fact, one of the police officers there was like, look, no one wants to take us. How do we do this? And then eventually, one of the one of the taxi dispatchers, was like, Oh, you want to go to Red Hook? That bus is going to Red Hook. Bus full of people. There's like four seats left. I already know this is fishy. So I get on the bus with me and my wife. We sit down. And I turn around to the other guests who were from our cruise ship and say, Hey, where are we going? And they were like, we're going to some beach. And I'm like, of course, because what they're going to do is they're going to take all these people to the beach and then on the way back, maybe drop us off at Red Hook. But you know, at this point I said to myself, self, look, it is what it is. You got to suck it up and it, you know, okay, fine. So we're sitting there, five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by. And I'm not only getting restless, the other people on the bus are getting restless, but we're sitting around doing nothing, right? We could have been, we could have been halfway there by that point. And, you know, someone says, you know, hey, what are we waiting for? And the bus driver is basically says, oh, there's like three seats left in like the cab. And I want to fill those up before we go. That was the final straw for me. I couldn't take it anymore. I told my wife, we're getting off. We're getting off. I, I just stormed off from the area and I declared that's it. We're not going. It's a fail in this is on me, but I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not dealing with this anymore. This is ridiculous. And we ended up just hanging out in the, there was a bar in the port area that I gladly gave them money instead of the taxi people. And then we just spent the day on the ship and I got so triggered, so frustrated by this whole experience because the problem is you, you have no choice. I mean, there, there is no other taxis. And this is unlike any other Caribbean port, Nassau, Cozumel, St. Martin, no matter which port you talk about Falmouth, There are taxis and there aren't, you you can just go out there and you find a bunch of people who will take you in a vehicle, in a car and take you there. That doesn't exist in St. Thomas because of this taxi mafia that they've got going on here, where they're just trying to maximize these buses, the safari trucks, whatever you want to call them, but you're paying taxi prices. It is ridiculous. It is wrong. And as you can see, it's getting me very upset about that yet again. And here's the thing. If you're going to St. Thomas, here's my recommendation. Number one, book your excursion to the Royal Caribbean ahead of time because what we would have done if we could to go back in time is book a Royal Caribbean excursion and taken our own ferry ride back would have been fine in that situation. Or number two, if you don't want to book excursion to the Royal Caribbean, have transportation reserved ahead of time. Book a tour, book some dude, whoever it is, have them ready for you so that way you can go there and you can bypass this disaster of a taxi area. You know, if you're going to a popular area like Megan's Bay, downtown. Uh, Sapphire Beach, you'll probably have no problem with it. But the, on principle, I think it's wrong to charge $11 to go in a bus. Bus fare should be like 3 bucks, $2 per person, not $11 per person to go in these safari trucks. It's wrong. It's awful. I wrote a blog post about this, and there was actually a Facebook group uh, that is all about St. Thomas, that uh Tommy Casabone, who runs runs the um, Always Be Booked podcast, he added me to, and they were talking about my situation because I posted it on the blog and it seems like everyone was just like, yeah, it is what it is, and it stinks and it's awful and it's wrong, but it's not going to change because there's absolutely no competition there. And this is a classic example of, geez, if Uber could just get in there, they would disrupt this in a heartbeat and you know, this is why you need competition for these kinds of things, because this is wrong. And my advice to you even if you are in a Megan's Bay, I'm going to go one step further. Do not rely on the taxis there. They're awful. They're run poorly. Uh, it's way too expensive. Book something on your own in advance. Either book through Royal Caribbean, and, buy, and that'll bypass this problem, or book transportation on your own. Do not rely on the taxi situation in St. Thomas. This is the only port that is like that, which is what makes it even so much more frustrating because you know, you can say a lot of things about it. a lot of different ports in the Caribbean, good or bad. But none of them operate their taxi situation like this. It's it's awful, and you know, unfortunately, where you dock is in the middle of nowhere. Um, again, in retrospect, hindsight being twenty twenty, I would have simply walked out of the area, started walking towards downtown, and would have probably been able to hail a cab. I think actually, my one of my waiters in the dining room was able to do that strategy. But anyway, it was really frustrating, and I can't recall a time in which I run into such a uh, big issue like that before. But you know This is why it's important to, hey, share what I'm doing here, but also learn from others and do your research ahead of time. So that's a really big component to that. Um, beyond that, we had a great time on Oasis. Now that I got all of that off my chest, we loved Oasis of the Seas. It was a great ship, uh, had a lot of fun on there, a lot of great memories uh, for the family. And I think that when it comes to the Royal Amplified Program, we're about halfway through it, if not a little bit past halfway with the, in terms of ships I've gotten it. And I think it's, it's just, it's incredible what they do with the Rail Amplified program. I think that it adds a different dimension to ships that you might otherwise look at and say, okay, been there, done that. It, I don't want to necessarily say it's a brand new ship, but it really does add a different dimension to it that truly distinguishes it. And I think on Oasis of the Seas, it's incredible. And I think the change is coming to Allure of the Seas as the next Oasis class ship to be Amplified is going to be even one giant more step ahead of that. It's incredible what they've done here and um yeah I mean we're going back on Oasis in for a quick 3-night sailing this random sailing in in the spring of 2020 and I'm really looking forward to getting back on this ship because well there's sportside barbecue and a lot of other great choices on board Oasis of the Seas All right, guys, it's time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer the emails you've sent me to be answered here on this podcast. You can always do so, by the way, sending me an email, that is, by sending it to matt, M-A-T-T, at blog.com matt at blog.com Our first email is from Eric Chowritz. We're considering the ultimate dining package, but I'm very confused with the wordings below for the package. It says, quote, for dining packages, children 12 and under are excluded from the offer. Children 6 to 12 can be added to a reservation for a $10 cover charge once on board. As we have two children, one is five and the other is three, please kindly enlighten me as to, number one, should we still include our two, two children when we get the package? The answer to that is no. Don't buy the package for them. You're overpaying for it. You could do it and then get a refund on the ship, but it's a waste of money. Don't buy dining packages for kids under 12. No, number two, if we do so, since they are free of charge to eat with us, then we're all able to refund our payment for the children. Doesn't seem like it makes sense to me. Why pay for them if they'd be refunded anyway? Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to pay for them. You want to bypass them. And when you get to the restaurant, when you're on board the ship, you know, there's four of you, right? You have the, you and your spouse have the dining package, kids do not, but you just tell them it's, it's, it's reservations for four people. And then when it comes to the bill, you say, you know, we, both of us have the dining package. The kids should be charged, you know, for the kids pricing and you're good to go. So you should be uh, good there, Eric. It says, kids must order from the kids' menu, but you have a copy of the kids' menu and all the menus same for the restaurants. They are different from restaurant to restaurant. Some restaurants actually don't, some specialty restaurants don't even have a kids' menu. In general, Eric, you can pretty much order from whatever you want there. I mean, as an example, you go to Hibachi, that's just the option there. There is no There is no kids' menu there, right? Um, uh, Chops Grill does have a kids' menu. But again, in my experience, Eric, you're able to order from from either one. Um, my recommendation to you is don't book the kids with the dining package, simply do that, uh, for the adults and then show up with the kids for the res when you make the reservation. And I think you'll be good to go there. Uh, Next, we have an email from Jackie writes, Hi Matt, I was wondering if you could address the issue of passenger riots on cruise ships. It seems to be happening a lot lately. Passengers are demanding refunds for silly things like itinerary changes due to bad weather. What is wrong with people? There seems to be an, an entitlement mentality when it comes to cruise ship passengers, namely, we paid a lot of money for this cruise so we're entitled to absolute perfection. This is a fantasy because that's not the way the world works. Problems happen. Why can't people just enjoy the ship and be happy with what they've got? Jackie, here, here, I'm with you on that one. I, you know, I understand where people come from in that, you know, you pay for a service, you expect certain things, but there are things that are outside the cruise lines power, right? Controlling the weather is a big part of it. Like if, you know, if you book the cruise and, uh, you know, the water slide breaks and doesn't work for half the cruise, okay. You can blame that, you know, they should have been able to fix that. But when it's bad weather and it's raining, or there is a storm in the area and that causes an itinerary change. No, you should not be, I feel you should, you're not entitled to a, to a, um, any kind of in compensation on top of that, the cruise contract, which by the way, everyone agrees to when you book your cruise, not that everyone reads it, but you know, that's, that's the nature of humanity. I feel like, um, you know, that stipulates the cruise contract stipulates that you are not entitled to any change. You could go absolutely nowhere, be offered absolutely nothing. And you're signing up for that. That's part of the deal. Now. In today's day and age, the cruise lines like so many other companies out there know that it's good business to give something back in order to again, for appeasement. It's more like, look, we understand it's not what you expected, even though this is out of our hands, we're going to give you something back so that it'll, you know, so you don't because people don't understand these things. They just they, they're irrational in in a lot of cases. And when it comes to weather-related issues and, you know, people complaining and demanding refunds, yeah, I do agree that that's silly. And the problem is, on the one hand, the people are being unreasonable, in my opinion. On the other hand, the cruise lines respond to it. And so there very much is a squeaky wheel mentality going on right now. People are not dumb. They read about these kinds of things. And they know that if you complain enough, you'll probably get something back in terms of whether it's onboard credit or refund, whatever the case may be. And so that leads to... This kind of an issue, and again, there there is a distinction between things the cruise line can control, like you know a rude crew member or something breaking, versus things that cannot be controlled, the weather, um, acts of God, things of things that just nobody could have anticipated as being an issue. Yeah, that that that's a different story right there, and you know I I do shake my head as well, Jackie, when I look at some of these things there. Um, I I don't know what the answer is because I mean I I feel like the cruise line. Should, in a lot of cases, just say, "Look, sorry, it is what it is. Uh, this is no different than if you go and book a land vacation and you go to Yellowstone and it rains every day and you never see a moose. Is that yellow? Is that the National Park Service's fault? No, it's just way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Um, but that's hard from a customer service perspective. I'm not a customer service expert, and you know, in a lot of cases, you know, offering some onboard credit." Is probably a better long-term solution in terms of keeping the customers coming back and satisfied than not. Uh, again, that's a different discussion for a different day. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Jack. When things happen, problems happen. Problems happen, and you know it, it's just one of those things where I think uh, it, it, it's it's hard to ever be until you're actually in that situation it's hard to to render judgment of it but in a lot of cases I have seen situations like this where you know I say to myself I would uh, that that's silly I would never do that but you know everyone's you got to you do you right I think that's what it really boils down to so Next, we have an email from Preston and I have a quick question. Uh, we're booked on Ovation to the Seas for Alaska this summer, but it looks like Alaska's not going to work for us this year. The next cruise lady that helped us book the cruise said so we have until December 9th to change any cruise without any fees. We're wondering if you have any other cruises that you would recommend. We've done Liberty Western Caribbean and Symphony Eastern Caribbean already and looking to do something new. Preston, uh, well, you just heard about Oasis of the Seas. Might be a really great choice for you as well to check out. Um, in general, you know, when I, I'm not sure exactly when you're, you were planning on you said this summer to uh, on Ovation Alaska. In general, um, I would maybe look at either a back to back sailing on like Navigator or Mariner that takes you to Perfect Day Cocoa Key twice. Uh, you might, because you're going on two different sailings, uh, or you might just do it another Oasis class if you haven't been on yet. Don't overlook the fact that, you know, Even though you may have done the itinerary before, the ship is different. That can add a different uh, dimension to the entire experience, Preston. I think that might be a nice option for you to consider. And our last email is from Calvin who writes, my wife and I booked two balcony cabins on Symphony of the Seas for this coming May of 2020. The second cabin is for our daughter, her husband, and an hour, two and a half year old grandson. When we made the reservations back in March 2019, the price reflected two adults and one child. Since then, we've rebooked it under the Kids Sale Free promo. Unfortunately, by the time the promo was available, the average price per adult had risen so substantially that the savings on our grandson was a whopping 47 bucks. I'm not complaining, it's still savings. Well, life has gotten in the way and our daughter and her family won't be able to make the trip with us and there is no option for her to rebook another cruise in the foreseeable future. Both reservations are non-refundable. I know you mentioned in the past videos that you can switch names on a reservation as long as one of the original guest names remains on the reservation. So I have two questions. Number one, could I have a couple that are friends of ours add their names to the reservation, replacing our daughter and son-in-law's names, leaving our grandson's name as the original guest? Obviously, he won't be sailing with them. The prices per adult in this room is now more expensive than it was with the child sailing free. I think I understand what you're asking there. I'm going to ask you that question, Calvin, then move on to your second one yes I believe that should work now obviously you're paying unquote, unquote for the child of course the child in this situation is kid sale free so you just taxes and fees there I think that would work calvin I don't imagine I don't foresee that being a problem I would because exactly as you said um, if you're changing names you can do that without any penalty any price change as long as the one person on the reservation remains there so calvin yes I believe that's correct number two Second option, could she cancel the cruise, losing $100 per person, but then book a cruise that works for my wife and I, once again, she won't be coming, since uh, she would book an inside cabin to minimize cost and loss, I know this sounds like a lot, but not to lose, but our deposit. But as I mentioned, it was an $18 drink package just connected to their reservation. Having to cancel those would be an absolute travesty. By choice, I haven't caught you live because I love to listen to your tips and information during my workday. When it came to Royal Caribbean, God said, let there be light, and there stood Matt. <laughs> Keep up the great work, brother. Hope to see you on a group cruise or just a random cruise sailing. Thank you, Calvin. Really appreciate that. Um, Yeah, of course, the other option is you just simply cancel the reservation and then, yes, you'd get, you'd get a refund back minus $100 per person. In, uh, in, in a non-refundable uh, fee there. Depending on how much you paid for the cruise, that may or may not be a better option for you. Um, you know, look, if, if you paid, again, I don't know how much you paid for your cruise, but if you paid $1,000 and you have three people on the reservation, is getting $700 back better than nothing back um, or putting on, you know, your family members or friends and paying for them essentially because I don't know if they're going to pay you back. I mean, of course, you could try to charge those other people. It, it really is a... It's more of a gut check, Calvin, for what you're looking to do, but yes, you could also just simply cancel or change the reservation, incur the change fee, $100 per person, but you know, if you're paying, you know, if you paid, you know, $6,000 for the cruise in you know, between the two rooms, maybe that is still a better option because it's better to get all that money back minus $300 and, you know, it is what it is. You just, you know, it's, it's, it's no different than booking any, you know, it's like booking airfare. In which you book the wrong flight, or you want to change flights, and you have the change fees. I mean, you just kind of say, "Well, it is what it is," and 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 kind of suck it up there. I'm not sure. It really depends on your situation, Calvin, what you're looking to do, and how committed you were to that original sailing, and how um, how important it is for you to sail with the rest of your family uh, together. I would tell you, if I were me, I would say we're going on the original sailing. You could swap in those other people if you can get other friends there to take the other spot there. Uh, and then you know, your grandson doesn't show up there. That's fine. Maybe get a couple bucks back from your friends and you're good to go. Uh, or And then book another cruise with your, with your uh, daughter and son-in-law. And that way you get two cruises out of it and you're good to go. <laughs> That'd be my recommendation. But yeah, to each their own there, Calvin. It, it's a tough situation, um, but um, hopefully that helps you out just a little bit. Well, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast and be sure to, to uh, send me an email if you have a question about your upcoming cruise by sending it to matt, M-A-T-T, at com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.